This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to another edition of B-Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the early morning hours of Tuesday, October 4th, 2022. And tonight, we're just taking a look at the National League playoff picture and where the Cardinals fit into it all. Welcome into the show. Cardinals played against the Pirates tonight, Monday evening, in the first game of a three-game set in Pittsburgh. And this is obviously the final regular season series of the season. Cardinals lost the game 3-2. to two. Not really going to talk much about the game, the outcome. The Cardinals are sort of in preparation mode right now, right? They're not looking to win these games. They're looking to set themselves up, set their rotation up, set their pitchers up for readiness in that wild card series beginning on Friday at Bush Stadium. We don't know the times yet for those games. I'm thinking either Tuesday or Wednesday. Hopefully that information will be released. Obviously with the games ensuing on Friday, like that's when it begins, you'd think they'd have to get those times out a little bit ahead of time. I think they're trying to wait as long as they possibly can because they want to know the matchups. And, of course, for TV reasons, they're going to want to put certain teams at certain times to get the best viewership. You know how that goes. It's all about the TV contracts. So we'll just kind of have to hold tight, wait, and see what that looks like. But the Cardinals got both Jose Quintana and Miles Michaelis three innings of baseball on Monday at PNC Park. So that tells you maybe a little bit about the way they're looking at this series upcoming regardless of whether they face the Phillies or the Padres that's going to be the conversation that we talk about quite a bit on today's episode because at the conclusion of Monday evening's games which just wrapped up the final game between the Padres and the Giants took a little bit to get finished up craziness going on there we'll talk a little bit about it but at the end of the day on Monday the Brewers have been eliminated from postseason consideration they're eliminated from the playoffs and The Cardinals will face either the Phillies or the Padres, but it's not known yet which team it'll be because, well, the margin between those two teams is just so razor thin right now. We'll talk about the exact standings, where things are, what needs to happen over the next couple of days in order for the Cardinals to face either the Padres or the Phillies. And then we'll talk about whether or not the current MLB system is actually a good one or it makes sense at all because... I feel as though you could make an argument, and Cardinals fans may be upset about this, but I think if you're being objective about it, it'll make sense. You could make an argument that both the Phillies and the Padres right now should want to lose the rest of their games in the regular season to set up a matchup with the Cardinals rather than the alternative, which would be facing the Mets in the wildcard series. And if you win, if you get through the Mets, you have to play the Dodgers in the NLDS rather than you could go against the Cardinals, win that series, get through to the Braves. I think in both cases, it actually would be favorable. It would be a better scenario, easier path to face the Cardinals and then the Braves than it would be 
the Mets and Dodgers. And so we'll talk about sort of the minutia of what that looks like and why I would make the case that maybe in that game tonight, Josh Hader coming into the uh, ninth inning for the Padres, maybe he should have hit some more batters. Maybe he should have served up a meatball, try to get the Padres to lose that game because Lord knows he's comfortable against the Cardinals offensively. Josh Hader has been great against St. Louis over the years. So maybe he should want to lose those games and have the Cardinals and Padres square off instead of San Diego heading all the way east to pay a visit to the New York Mets. So we'll get into some of the interesting debate and topics surrounding that. I took to Twitter asking folks whether or not, or I should say whether they'd rather play the Padres or the Phillies. I'll give you those results, or at least the most updated results of the poll that I put out. It's still got plenty of time left. You can vote in it at bshafer12 on Twitter if you're listening within the first 24 hours of the release of this podcast. But the results right now are pretty overwhelming in favor of one team over the other. I'll tell you which team that is and whether I agree with it. I don't think it's a an open and shut case of what would make more sense for the Cardinals, but it is between the Phillies and Padres at this point. It's going to be one of, one or the other because the Brewers, once again, have been eliminated. They just could not get it done offensively in September. And that sort of continued, I guess, into October. And uh, they faltered down the stretch. The Cardinals obviously clinched the division over them a week ago or so at this time. And now the Brewers, even a wild card, is no longer an option for them. So we'll get into all that and more on this edition of B-Shape Daily. But before we jump into the content of the show, I want to remind you that you should subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to make sure you are locked and loaded, ready to go for all the B-Shape Daily to come throughout this October, throughout this Cardinals playoff chase. Make sure you're in on the podcast, and we'll continue to talk about the games, the strategy, everything that goes into this Cardinals postseason run. Subscribe, and make sure you rate and review the podcast as well on your respective app, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to support the show, head to patreon.com slash bshafer12 and check out the option to become a patron. Just 5 bucks a month, you'll be supporting the show Appreciate it a great deal. Thank you guys for listening. Let's go ahead and jump in. We'll talk briefly about the Cardinals game itself. Albert Pujols, that's the main takeaway from this one. Home run number 703 for his career. He does it again at PNC Park. Not a surprise. He's been doing it at this ballpark for his entire career. It's his favorite place to play that isn't Bush Stadium. Offensively, he's got just ridiculous numbers there throughout his 21 years in the big leagues. Obviously, a relatively long hiatus between playing very frequently in Pittsburgh. But the first 11 years when he was with the Cardinals, he was great there. And this year, he's picked up right where he's left off. Hit a lot of impressive home runs there. Number 703 coming today. And, of course, it puts him in second place in MLB history. All-time in runs batted in, surpassing Babe Ruth. He had tied him on Sunday at Bush Stadium with 22-14. Hits the home run on Monday to pass Babe Ruth. He's now second all-time in MLB history and runs batted in. Just the greatest hitter any of us have ever seen. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's as Adam Wainwright said yesterday, and if you missed the podcast on Sunday, breaking down the ceremony, honoring Yachty and Albert at Bush, go back on your B-Shape Daily podcast feed. Check it out. A lot of good conversations surrounding that day. But Albert, he gets it done. 7.03, we'll see where he ends. I saw on Twitter... Some photos of the guy was a Cardinals fan who caught the baseball. And evidently, I don't know if this is verified or not, but the guy was being offered a pretty significant chunk of cash to uh, 
to part with that baseball, and he decided, no, he was keeping it. So we'll see if anything ends up coming of that. I think what's interesting is we don't know when it's going to be, but at some point, Albert Pujols will hit the last home run of his major league career, and maybe that was it on Monday. We'll see if, if he gets a chance to hit another one, whether over the next couple of days in Pittsburgh. I don't imagine he'll play both games, but maybe he will. But it's also possible he hits one in the playoffs, which obviously would not be something that counts toward his career statistics, but would, would be notable nonetheless. So we'll see kind of the way that ends up going. But from the game, other than the Albert Pujols home run, I think the most notable aspect is to take a look at the way the Cardinals handled their pitching situation. Because you have Jose Quintana starting the game, going three innings, pitching well, three innings, one hit, one walk, no runs. And then who comes in next but Miles Michaelis for three innings of his own Three hits, gave up one run. That's notable to me because here we are on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday would be an opportunity to pitch, right, in that wild card game. It would be on three days rest, technically for either of these guys. However, neither of them pitched a full outing. So it's interesting to see the Cardinals use both those guys who you might have considered in contention for that game one start. Would they really do it on three days rest? Or do they feel like this is sort of like their bullpen outing for both guys only going three innings, and so either would conceivably be available for that game on Friday? Is that the way that Ollie Marmel and the Cardinals would handle things? It's going to be very interesting to see which way they go, how they want to handle that number one spot in the rotation, and potentially beyond that, how they want to handle number two. But the two guys you saw today, you might have reason to believe that they're first in line when it comes to the wild card series. Now, Wainwright threw on Sunday. He would be on regular rest to pitch on Friday, off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four days off, fifth day pitch. But performance-wise, there's not necessarily a lot of reason to believe that the Cardinals would go that direction. If you hear from Ali Marmel, though, after Sunday's game, he said... We trust Wainwright. We do put stock into the wealth of experience that he has. And so it could be as simple as the Cardinals are just planning to go at him, Wainwright. We look at it from the outside and we go, oh, well, obviously they're going to go this, that, or the other. But it could just be as simple as, no, Wainwright's our guy and we're going with him. The Brewers aren't an option anymore, so you don't necessarily have to go left-handed. That would have been my preference for the way to go against Milwaukee because they're so bad against lefties. Phillies are better against lefties, but they do have two elite left-handed hitters, Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber in their lineup that you would have to contend with as really as a lefty or a righty. But for right-handed pitchers in particular, that's kind of a, a difficult way to go about it. Bryce Harper kills righties. Kyle Schwarber kills righties. So you have to consider all of those things. But it's just interesting to me that the Cardinals find a way to get both of their kind of better starting pitchers, the guys that are hotter, the guys that are pitching most effectively right now. It's Michaelis and it's Jose Quintana, and they were both in there today. So I think completely conceivable to see either of those guys in a game one situation on Friday. Conceivable to see the other in game two. Question mark on what they want to do with Wainwright. Everybody else rested potentially ready to go when called upon. Jack Flaherty pitched earlier in the weekend. Jordan Montgomery earlier in the weekend on 
Tuesday, it's going to be Dakota Hudson. An opportunity for him to show his stuff. I don't know if he's going to factor in. That's what's so interesting. Like, it's not going to be easy to predict, I don't think, unless the Cardinals come right out and say ahead of time what their plan is going to be. It's not going to be super easy to predict what the wild card roster is going to be. No announced starter as of right now for uh, for Wednesday's game. Johan Oviedo going for the Pirates. So, Johan Oviedo starting in the final Cardinals game of the season. That probably would have been an easy one to predict. Or one that you would have believed three, four months ago to say, oh yeah, the Cardinals are going to wrap up the division. And so, they're going to have one of their younger guys like Oviedo. He's going to pitch. Well, he's starting for the Pirates. That might not be the one that you saw coming. But you don't figure you're going to see Montgomery, Flaherty, if you do see those guys, it'll be similar to the short outing we just saw from the likes of Michaelis and Quintana on Monday. Cardinals aren't going to telegraph this pass, I don't think. They're going to eventually tell us what it's going to be, and then we're going to be able to dissect it and talk about it. But I I, I think Wainwright's the question mark. He's the one that you really got to consider. Ollie sounded confident in him when he talked about him, but he said, "We've yeah, we've noticed the decline in velocity. We've seen the performance over the past month or so. Hasn't been good from Wayno. Yadier Molina was asked about Wainwright and his recent performance, and he sort of shook his head and indicated and said, no, we you know we have all the faith in Adam Wainwright. We know what he's capable of. We know what he's going to do. And so I don't know what else you would have expected Yadi to say, but the face they're putting on is, yeah, confidence in Wainwright, that he can dig back, dig deep, find a way to give a quality performance despite the recent indication of a decline. Whether or not that's just the way you have to talk about it, knowing that they're not going to throw him. I mean, we're going to find out in a couple of days, right? Wainwright has locker after the game, though, in the clubhouse. That was just a hard sight because he's a guy who's given so much, has done so many great things, and right now, clear that he's not at his best, and he is a, has always been as harsh of a critic on himself as anyone would be toward him, and so he's aware of the deficiencies right now and has just not been able to figure out a, a way around it. So, like, for me, I just don't think you... I don't feel like it's a, a choice to say, oh, we're going to leave Wainwright off the wildcard roster. I don't think you can do that. I think you have to have him on the roster. He's Adam Wainwright. But do you have to have him in game one? Do you have to have him starting game one? Do you have to have him start game two, season on the line? I I don't know what that looks like. I think he might be better suited to, to pitch a game in a longer series. NLDS would be five games. You could have him start there, but that gets tricky too because you're going to start on the road. You don't want him pitching there. If he's pitching, you want him pitching at Bush where he's been solid this year. So there are decisions that are going to have to be made. Interesting to see the way the Cardinals go with it. We'll continue to debate, discuss, dissect all of it right here on B-Shape Daily. What else we'll continue to talk about is the fact that we still don't know the opponent for the Cardinals when they play that game coming up at Bush Stadium, game one of potentially three on Friday. We don't know the time they'll play. We don't know who they're facing. It's going to be the Phillies or it's going to be the Padres. As of right now, here is the situation. The Phillies got the win on Friday night. They're facing the Astros this week, three-game series, and they got the win 3-0. The Astros have long since clinched their division. They've long since clinched the best record in the National, or pardon me, the American League. Throwback there. Astros used to be in the NL, NL Central. But no, the Astros, they don't have anything left to play for. 
and they weren't too interested in spoiling things for anybody in the NL. And so the Phillies, they got the win on Monday, 3-0, eliminating the Brewers, guaranteeing their spot in the postseason bracket. Now they just got to figure out where that's going to be. We talked about yesterday how the Phillies actually have the tiebreaker over the Padres in terms of seeding. And so as of now, the Padres maintain a one-game lead over Philadelphia after their win over the Giants on Monday night, 7-4. to four. And that was an interesting game because through seven and a half innings, there, was, there were no runs in that game. Padres put up a seven spot in the bottom of the eighth. Shelby Miller, former Cardinal, contributing to that as he gave up a total of five runs, earned runs in this game, pitching out of relief for the Giants. First runs he's given up all year. He's only pitched a few times prior to today. But then in the top of the ninth inning, the Giants, I think they had maybe three, four hit batters. Tim Hill, I think, was the pitcher. And then they brought in Josh Hader after it was getting pretty wet and wild. I don't know why I said that. It wasn't wet, but it was wild. All the hit batters. And then I think Hader came in and hit one himself, but ultimately he got the job done, got the save, and the Padres get the win to improve to 88-72. and 72, Still one game ahead of Philly. But over the next two days, if the Phillies are one game better than the Padres, which would entail the Phillies winning two, the Padres winning one, or the Phillies winning one, the Padres winning none of the next two, final two games of the regular season, the Cardinals would, in those circumstances, face San Diego in the wildcard series beginning Friday at Bush. Because the Phillies do have the wildcard tiebreaker, or the tiebreaker in general, over San Diego by virtue of their winning four out of seven against the Padres during the regular season meetings. So that sort of begs the question, if you're a Cardinals fan, but let's approach it from that angle first. If you're a Cardinals fan, which team would you rather see? And then I'll bring up the notion of if you are the Phillies or the Padres, why in the world would you be trying to win these games? I, I don't think there's any incentive to do so whatsoever. In fact, you would be more incentivized to lose these games in order to land the lowest seed overall and face the Cardinals who have, yes, won the Central Division, but that doesn't make them a better team than the Mets. They've got 92 wins. The Mets could still win 100 games. They're 98 and 61 right now. The Mets still with three games to play as they've got a doubleheader on Tuesday. How about that? Against the Washington Nationals. So, I don't really get it. There's no, I, I cannot figure out the incentive and I'll explain what I mean by that. But first, let's approach it from the Cardinal standpoint. Who would you rather see? I think first and foremost, it comes down to pitching. Which team do you believe you match up more favorably with when it comes to the rotation? Because you've got a short series and even though the bullpens are going to play a significant factor, you simply have to consider the starters at the end of the day because we know when you get some really good starting pitching. You don't have to go seven, eight, nine innings, but you can if you're mowing down a lineup. The, the quick hook is going to be a factor at this point in the postseason, more so than in the regular season, but you can't ignore the possibility of a guy just shoving and getting the job done and advancing his team because of it. 
So let's break down some of these matchups. First, we'll look at you, Darvish, because I think he is one of the better pitchers for San Diego. He only faced the Cardinals once this season. It was back on June 1st, and the Cardinals got to him. Seven hits, five runs, all earned, a couple of walks, gave up a home run, did Darvish. Did pitch into the eighth, seven and two innings pitched, seven and two-thirds, I should say. Gave up five runs, but I, if I recall correctly, and I can look up the information on that game, that was a situation where Darvish was pitching pretty well and the Cardinals got to him late. Running the fourth, couple runs in the sixth, and then two more in the eighth. Darvish almost ended up with that eight-inning complete game. Dakota Hudson, the winning pitcher of that one. So, all right, pitching matchup. Cardinals have shown at least they can get to you, Darvish, if they end up facing him in a short series. Even though he's got a pedigree, I would say that's that's not a guy that you are extremely fearful of, given that the one time they faced him this year, they they handled him. Like, no matter who you face in the playoffs, you're going to face good pitching. That's inevitable. You at least like to have some proof of concept against those guys to fall back on and go, yeah, we've beaten this guy, or yeah, we've we've been able to hang with this guy. When you look at a guy like Blake Snell, lefty in the Padres rotation, I'd have to imagine that given the way he succeeded against the Cardinals, you'd see him in one of the first three games in that series, and there would only be three games at a max- maximum, so you'd probably see Blake Snell. Cardinals have faced him twice this season. Once back on May 31st, Snell went six innings, gave up two runs, struck out six while walking three Cardinals mustering just two hits against him. So you're talking about a lefty pitcher. The Cardinals have been one of the best teams in baseball against lefties this year. I believe they have the best OPS in baseball against left-handed pitching actually, but that hasn't been the case against Blake Snell because in the second time they faced him, which was more recent September 21st. Again, he's been dealing with injuries sort of on and off, but this year relatively healthy actually. The injuries he had were earlier in the season, April, May, were kind of a wash for him, but has been going strong ever since. September 21st, the Cardinals faced him another instance of two hits where Snell goes seven innings, strikes out 13. So in terms of recent performance, that might be the scariest matchup the Cardinals could potentially fathom heading into the playoffs. I don't know that they'd throw him game one. I don't know offhand what, what his schedule is this week. But if I'm the Padres, I'm not straining to throw my best pitchers. I'm making sure I'm doing what the Cardinals are doing. I've already clinched. I don't need to play for anything. And in fact, it would probably benefit me to lose. Because this is the scenario. Let's jump into this real quick and then we'll get back into the Cardinals' perspective. If you're the current five seed, the Padres, and you've got the Phillies nipping at your heels, and they're the sixth seed, both of you are locked into the playoffs. You can't miss it. Nothing you can do from here on out can cost you a postseason berth. So why would you rather have the number five than the number six other than it looks more impressive on paper because you won more games, you were the higher seed? Like, kudos to you, but here's the reality. If you're that number five seed, you're playing the Mets. The Braves have not yet officially clinched the NL East. The magic number is still one. I mentioned a few minutes ago that the Mets are playing a four-game series. That's not correct. They're just playing a doubleheader, two games on Tuesday, one then on Wednesday to wrap up the season. That's hosting the Nationals for all three of those games. Because remember, the season was supposed to have ended Sunday for everybody, but you have the situation with 
the lockout that they had to expand the schedule on the back end. That's why the Cardinals are playing six in a row against Pittsburgh. Uh, those quirks are baked into the adjustments they had to make after the lockout. But because the Braves lost to the Marlins on Monday, they have not technically clinched. But the Mets would need to win all three of their games. The Braves would have to lose both of theirs in order for that division to go the other way. That's five outcomes that need to go a particular way. If you've ever done sports gambling, you know, a five-leg parlay, hard to hit. So more likely than not, it's going to be the Braves winning that NLE still and the Mets are the team that you'd face as the number five seed in the wild card round. You're talking Scherzer. You're talking DeGrom. I can't imagine that the Mets would be foolish enough to put themselves in a spot where those guys aren't the ones that are ready, even though you'd like to avoid, right? You'd like to avoid a situation where you have to play in that wild card series if you can. The Mets sort of have already seen that ship sail, right? Like, if you were going to find a way to win the division, the weekend would have been the time to do that. When you're playing the Braves head-to-head, you had every opportunity to do it, and you didn't get it done. So the rain out on Monday for the Mets, I believe that's what happened. Now they play that doubleheader. No pitchers have been announced as of yet for the Mets for Tuesday or Wednesday. And that sort of makes sense because you, you, you've got to take it as it comes right now. I get it the notion that you'd want to put your best foot forward and try and sneak out that division, even though the the odds are long, you just can't, you've got to be ready to go with Scherzer to Grom in whichever order you feel special about come Friday, Saturday. And I am sure that's what the Mets will do one way or the other. I just cannot fathom given the fact that the magic number is one, they don't control their destiny. So the number five seed is going to see those two guys, two of the best pitchers in baseball on Friday, Saturday. Right now, if you're the Padres, that's your situation. You can lose all your games and have it maybe be not your situation. Wouldn't you choose that? I don't mean to disparage the Cardinals or their rotation or anything about them. They've had a great season. They've won six fewer games as of right now than the Mets. And they don't have a Scherzer. They don't have a DeGrom in their rotation. They just don't. Offensively, the Cardinals might be better, might be worse. It's kind of a toss-up. The Cardinals, I think, have better numbers for the season. The Mets are up there, though, as well. But we know recently the Cardinals offensively haven't been great. And so what will Friday bring? What will the offense, what will the lineup be? What what kind of peak form will they be in or won't be in when the playoffs start? We don't really know that. But what we do have the ability to quantify is the pitching matchup and who's got the, the top end starters. The Cardinals, the depth of their rotation is something that brought them here. It was great to go out and get the guys they did at the deadline, but they don't have those aces that you just absolutely fear going into a game. Again, good pitching, but the Cardinals aren't here because of their ability to just blow you away in the rotation. They're here because they outslugged everybody throughout the season. They've got a good bullpen, and they've got the best defense in baseball, bar none. And the pitching was just good enough. That was the recipe, and it's gotten them this far. I don't know how conceivable of a recipe it is for playoff baseball, but we're about to find out. And we're about to find out whether or not they can sustain the offense that sort of got them here over the last six months. That's the reason they're in the position that they're in. Guys like Goldschmidt, Arenado, Pujols, guys at the top of the order, whether it's Newt Bar, Donovan, Edmund, the, the table setters for the, the big guns, 
Tyler O'Neill, does he get back? Dylan Carlson. I mean, they've got a good one through nine if they're healthy and if they're playing at their best and up to their capabilities. If not, it could be an early exit for the Cardinals in the postseason if the hitting isn't there. Will the lineup have a good couple of days or won't they? If they get through that wild card series, I think all bets are off because then you could really see the lineup get on a roll and slug their way to a championship. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. All that being said, though, if I'm the Padres, I'm looking at it going, Scherzer to Grom, Scherzer to Grom, Scherzer to Grom. No, thank you. I don't want anything to do with it. And so I'm trying to lose my games. They didn't listen to that. They had every opportunity to blow the seven-run lead that they had tonight. When Josh Hader came in, they I would have left Tim Hill in. I would have let Tim Hill hit as many batters as he could until we lost that damn game against the Giants. That's what I would have done if I were the Padres. It's not the way they went. They won the game. Good for them. Integrity and stuff. But, like, I just, there's truly no argument that I can can fathom that would say, yeah, it's a good idea to win these games so that you get the five seed. Because if you're the sixth seed, you go to St. Louis, play the Cardinals, you're still on the road. It wouldn't make a difference. Five seed, six seed, you're on the road. So, I don't know. I can't figure it out. I guess you could say credit to the integrity of the Padres, but if I'm trying to win a World Series, that's not where you want to be. Playing the Mets first, and then credit to the defending world champion Braves, you know, assuming that they are the NL East champions as we figure they will be. That That's not as good of a team as the Dodgers. I'd rather face the Braves if I had the chance than the Dodgers. Dodgers are going to be the one seed, obviously. The Braves are the two if they win the East, as we expect. So you have a better matchup as the number six seed in, in round one, and you'll have a better matchup in round two than the five seed. And I think we, even even the most diehard Cardinals fans would look at Scherzer and DeGrom and go, yep, that's better than anything the Cardinals have to offer. I know it's not just about starting pitching, but it's a lot about starting pitching when you get into the playoffs. Bullpens definitely play a factor as well, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to take a moment, sort things on MLB.com by reliever ERA, which again, that's not a perfect measure because... Some of the guys that were relievers in April, May, they're not still on those teams that were contributing to those ERAs. So it's not a perfect measure, but it's at least something that we can look at. We'll tell you how everybody ranks within the context of the National League playoff picture in bullpen ERA. On top, the Dodgers, 2.86 ERA. Not a surprise. Number two, the Braves, 2.94. And you've got the Mets at 3.63. And those are those are your three best teams in the NL this year by record. Cardinals aren't in the division with either of those teams, so they got to to win their own division. 3.67 ERA for their relief core. That's fourth best in the NL. Then you've got the Padres at 3.81. And then you've got to go way down, 11th in the National League for the Phillies at 4.24. Huge weakness for Philadelphia is their bullpen. It's an advantage the Cardinals would have over the Phillies. They have the advantage over the Padres, but it's narrow, and I would almost argue that they don't now that the Padres have Josh Hader and he's looking like himself again. Cheetah never changed their spots, or whatever they call it. Zebra never changed their stripes. Maybe that's the the adage we want to go with. Regardless, Josh Hader never forgets how to get out the St. Louis Cardinals. I feel like it would be a brutal matchup. I don't care that he's a lefty. I don't care that the Cardinals, as a team this season, have been better against left-handed pitching than anybody else in baseball collectively as a team. I'll pull it up right now. OPS 
810 against lefties, the second best in major leagues, 775 the Braves, 774 the Phillies. So the Cardinals kill lefties. Keep an eye on the Phillies for the fact that they sort of do as well. But I don't even care when it comes to to a couple of guys. For Hayter, I don't care when it comes to Blake Snell because the Cardinals have clearly not figured out a way to get to either of those guys. 13 innings for Snell this season against St. Louis. Four hits in total that he's allowed while striking out something like 19. So Snell, not a great matchup. Mentioned that Darvish, he's gettable. Cardinals did it once this year. Took him a while. Took him into the eighth inning to be able to really do it effectively. Joe Musgrove, probably the other starter you'd see for San Diego if it had to go three games. I don't know what order they'd put him. Maybe he'd be game one. I'd pitch Snell game one if I'm them, the way he looked against St. Louis. But Musgrove was good as well. September 22nd, this was recent. Five innings, one run allowed. Five hits, two walks, just four Ks. Did give up a homer. But he was good as well. So I think the better one through three in the rotation is the Padres. But in a situation where you may not get a third game, the Phillies rotation might be the one that scares me more. Because Zach Wheeler has gone 14 innings against the Cardinals this season and has not given up a run. That is frightening. Of the pitchers that the Cardinals could conceivably see on Friday, he is the scariest one to me. And I don't worry about the fact that he's just coming off the injured list because he's made three starts. And in those three starts, although he hasn't gone super deep the way he typically does into those outings as he sort of works his way back, 0.60 ERA. Two of those outings on the road. I was chatting with Greg Peterson via Twitter. Greg Peterson does a lot of really good sports betting content. He's big into baseball, college basketball, G-Unit. Those are his sports. And I disagree with him on this one because he was saying, well, I don't think the Phillies have that great of odds to make it deep into the playoffs because they'll likely be facing the Cardinals. Yes, they do have deficiencies in their bullpen. Yes, if you go mano-a-mano in terms of slugging between the two lineups, you could, you could call it a, a coin flip and maybe even take the Cardinals' side of things, all things being equal. But when it comes to just those first two in the rotation, i take Zach Wheeler over probably whoever the Cardinals can throw out there. And then Aaron Nola is another hard-throwing right-handed pitcher. So again, you don't have the advantage that you'd like to have in terms of being able to get to face a lefty. The Cardinals have been so good against lefties. If Nola and Wheeler can get you seven innings a piece, you probably don't get to a game three if you can't figure out a way to get to either of those guys, if you're the Cardinals. Cardinals did face Nola this season at one point and did okay against him. They got some runs against Aaron Nola. But for the season, fifth in the league in strikeouts, 3.25 ERA, a whip below one, 0.96. It was on the 11th of July. He went seven innings, gave up five runs, struck out seven. Got deep into the game, but the Cardinals eventually got to him. That's what the playoffs are going to have to be, but you may not get the chance to get into the seventh against those guys because they're going to go to their bullpen a little quicker. But that is where an advantage would be against the Cardinals when it comes to facing the Phillies. Their bullpen's not good. I mentioned the 4.24 ERA. They don't have a Josh Hader. And up and down the, the board, they're just not as consistent. So there would be that benefit, but I would worry that you would just see Wheeler and Nola just, they could go seven, eight, nine innings, and you're, you're done. That's it. Maybe not Nola as much because they did eventually break through against him back in July. Against Wheeler, wouldn't be shocked to see a complete game. That's just, I mean, the Cardinals have not been able to do a thing against that guy in two long outings this season. That would be a concern to me. 
Offensively, we know the Phillies as well have a slugging lineup. Again, their bullpen's trash. Their defense is trash. And when you when you play playoff baseball, that's an advantage the Cardinals are going to have that's sort of inherent, but it doesn't show up until it does. But it's going to be over every team that they face because their defense is just going to be better. You'd have to assume they're going to make fewer mistakes, they're going to steal more hits, they're going to steal more runs because of what guys like Arenado, guys like Goldschmidt, Yadier Molina behind the plate, Tommy Edmond up the middle, Dylan Carlson in center where he should be planted every single day. Corey Dickerson on the bench, ideally. And I have to talk about this as well because I hate to rag on any one player, but it's getting a little bit out of hand. And right now, again, nothing that happens in the lineup matters. Don't pay any attention to it. It doesn't. It's not necessarily indicative of what the Cardinals are going to do. But it is a little scary when you recognize that we haven't seen a period here where Ali Marmol ever lost faith in Corey Dickerson in the starting lineup. The Cardinals have gone with him a lot. He's that lefty, right? He had that really good run sort of after the All-Star break leading into and up that batting average pretty impressively. I'm just here to tell you the numbers have not been have not been that way recently. We can look where are we at? We're at October 4th. It's Tuesday. I mean, you could go back three weeks or so. I'll go back to September 15th, middle of September, just to give a little bit of an idea. And the statistics here will not be counting the performance that he had on Monday. I don't believe he did anything of substance. 098 batting average over his last 15 games. This says 14 games. I'll, I'll count today. He's batting about a buck. A hundred. He had the one home run, seven strikeouts. 159 on base, 171 slug. Doesn't need to be in the lineup. Doesn't need to be on the roster. I'd rather have Ben Deluzio straight up than Corey Dickerson because I think as a base runner, as a defender, you're going to have a purpose for his role, whereas unless you're starting Corey Dickerson, there's no reason to have him on the active roster for the wild card series. Maybe in a longer series, I, I, I could be talked into it, but... I don't really know right now what he's bringing to the table. I'd rather have Juan Yepes. I know he's a right-handed batter versus a left-handed batter, and, and there are differences there. But I think at least with Juan Yepes, you know that there's the potential to have a big swing late in the game. With Dickerson, I just I cannot fathom it happening at this point. Same thing with Paul DeYoung. Can't fathom it happening at this point. They may go DeYoung because they want to have the defensive flexibility. I don't know that you need it. I would rather have Nolan Gorman on the roster, to be honest with you. And I'm not too enthused by that, but if you want a left-handed bat off your bench, it's Gorman and it's not Dickerson. And that's interesting. Something that we do need to talk about a little bit is the fact that the Cardinals are basically holding these open tryouts right now. Tyler O'Neill faced live pitching. I believe he faced Hennessy's Cabrera. According to Katie Wu, had a full day of baseball activities, took four or five live at-bats against Cabrera and Packy Naughton. Marmel confirmed today it would be difficult for the Cardinals to activate O'Neill for the wildcard series if he wasn't at full strength, so these next few days are pivotal. That was earlier in the day on Monday. John Denton, I believe he's in Pittsburgh as well, mentioned that Gorman, Tyler O'Neill, Ivan Herrera, Jordan Hicks, Hennessy Cabrera, and Packy Naughton all on the taxi squad for this Pittsburgh trip because they're all sort of auditioning for that playoff roster. Several rounds of live BP for those guys pitching and hitting to simulate game-like situations. The Cards hope to get O'Neill and Hicks back soon. It's going to be very interesting to see how those guys fit into the equation. And I do believe if O'Neill gets back, that would be the full-scale send to not put 
Dickerson on the playoff roster. If you don't get him back, I could see you just wanting the outfield depth potentially because he's a veteran, capable player. I get it. But just in terms of the upside that he brings, haven't seen a lot of it recently. So that's that's why I get on the, the train that I'm on. We'll talk a lot more about roster stuff in the next couple of days. But yeah, it'll be really interesting to see the way Cardinals go, not only with the rotation and who pitches, but who fills out the other spots on that roster. We talked last night about what I think the lineup is going to be or should be in a little bit of detail. Check that out on B-Shape Daily. Scroll down on your podcast feed. You can can listen to that. That was toward the very tail end of Sunday's episode if you're wanting some lineup talk. And we'll give more of that. That's not going to be something we dive into tonight, but especially once we know the roster and it's confirmed, we can really dissect, all right, what's the best lineup the Cardinals can throw out there and really get inside baseball on it. But I'll be intrigued to see where they go in terms of the roster construction. But diving back in a little bit, because I have gone a little bit uh, around in a circle here talking about, well, who'd you rather face? I mentioned a lot about what the Phillies are, right? Two tough pitchers. They don't have a third. I don't really know even who their third starter would be. They've obviously got one, but it doesn't scare me the way that the, the Padres' third starter would scare me. Granted, you may not get to a third game. That's a part you got to recognize, but they're not as deep in the rotation. They have a bad bullpen. They have a bad defense, which can cost you in the playoffs. And their offense, better than the Padres, for sure. The Padres are in the bottom half of the league in OPS against right and left-handed pitching this year. 18th in the league in both categories, I do believe. Not an explosive offense, but they do have a couple of explosive players, guys like Soto, Machado. But other than that, the Phillies definitely the better offense, the more menacing offense. But I think when you when you add up the things that win in postseason baseball, the bullpen, the depth of the starting pitching, which again, if it goes, if you told me right now the series is going to go three games, I'd say I'd rather be facing the Phillies in Game Three than the Padres, because Josh Hader could throw three innings in that third game and then you'd lose. Because, you, I mean, that that could just be the way that they decide to go with it. And you, he Madison Bumgarner's you like he did in the World Series against the Royals years back, and then it's it. That's You're done. So that's, that's kind of the way that I look at it. I would rather, I'm sticking with rather playing the Phillies if I'm the Cardinals right now because I just think there are too many things that the Phillies do badly that can cost you in the playoffs. But if, the Card, if you're worried about the offense for the Cardinals and you don't want to see them play a team that could outslug them, the Phillies are that team. And there are weaknesses against the pitchers that they'll throw in the first couple of games, especially game one with Zach Wheeler. So I can see the argument that you want to get down in the muck, play against a team that's not going to be at its forefront offensively, that's probably the Padres as well. You could go some late games with them, play some real playoff baseball, and I think could maybe come out of it unscathed. But it's just kind of a six of one, half dozen of the other. Here's what I'll say. As of right now, the poll that I that I put out on Twitter a few hours ago, 74.9% would rather play the Phillies than the Padres. Just 25.1% say the Padres. That's with 834 votes in. I said I'd roll through some of these responses. Caleb says Phillies lineup is deeper, more power. Wheeler Nola, tougher than Musgrove Darvish Snell. I guess Snell was great last outing against the Cards, but he's left-handed, so I'll take my chances. I don't, again, I don't really worry about or, or think it's an advantage for him to be left-handed if he's just dominant against you. Two times this year, he's been better than than your lineup, even though he is left-handed. But I will agree that Wheeler-Nola thing is scary, but they don't have a third guy. They don't have a third guy. So even though the Phillies lineup is deeper, you got to consider the other aspects, the intangibles a little bit. Defense, bullpen. Very bad bullpen for the Phillies. 
if you find a way to make Zach Wheeler throw pitches, like if you're going to tell me this lineup and the plan is going to be get him to 100 pitches after six or seven, then I feel good about the Cardinals' chances against the Philly bullpen. But I don't know that you can promise the Cardinals are going to do that. Sometimes they have had quick innings in the playoffs that has allowed starters to go really deep into games, and that can be an issue as well. Looking at some of these other responses, if I had to choose Phillies, but it's not up to me, it's up to the baseball gods and the devil magic, says Yachty Strobe Lights. Shadow Lord 7899 says, honestly, Philly just because of their defense, and that's one massive advantage St. Louis has over Philly. Couldn't agree more. Jacob says, don't care, doesn't matter, cards in two. Theodore, I don't care. Zachary says, you and Snell doesn't worry me as much as Nola Wheeler. The Padres have been bad at Bush, something to keep in mind. The Cardinals have swept them at Bush earlier this season, if I do recall. If it wasn't a sweep, it was at least a series win. Michaelis and Jack, he assumes Jack being the third starter with Quintana being, or Jose Quintana being the second or first starter. Michaelis and Jack did great against the Padres a couple of weeks ago in San Diego. So there is a matchup advantage there. I feel good about Michaelis regardless of the matchup. I think he'll be able to, to get a good start for the Cardinals at home, whether it's Friday or Saturday. William mentions that Wheeler has owned the Cardinals this year. He sure has, but got to mention Blake Snell, guys like that as well. Sam Boblev, I reject the premise of this question on the grounds that picking your opponent angers the baseball gods. Come what may, only partly kidding, he says. And that's reasonable to me. If you don't want to pick, if you don't want to get in the weeds on this, I wouldn't blame you because ask and you shall receive, right? Be careful what you wish for. Seamus says the Padres, and then he says LMAO, and I said elaborate on that. That's not the consensus to say Padres, he says, San Diego has been borderline pathetic at Bush the past two years, which, again, Cardinals have played well there against San Diego, and their 1-2 in rotation is worse than Philly. I agree 1-2. It's a question of do you have the confidence to get through the series in two games or are you going to need a game three? I think that's really the bottom line. So that's some of the good responses that I got on Twitter. If you'd like to add to it, at for 12 on Twitter, send me a tweet, send me a direct message with your thoughts. We'll continue to read and discuss what the fans are saying all week long right here on B-Shafe Daily. For now, I say Cardinals-Phillies would be the better matchup, but if I'm the Phillies, I'm trying to lose. If I'm the Padres, I'm trying to lose because I'd rather play the Cardinals and then the Braves than the alternative, which is Mets-Dodgers. Not to say that anything's going to be easy for any of these teams, but if I had the chance to not face DeGrom Scherzer, I am taking that chance. So we'll see the way that it shakes out. We'll continue to talk about it right here on B-Shafe Daily, but that is going to do it for this edition of the show. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. And we will talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.